Escargot, salad. Will Monsieur care for another bottle of the Chateau Latour? Ah, uh, yes, but no more 1966. Let's splurge. Bring us some fresh wine, the freshest you've got this year. No more of this old stuff. Oui, monsieur. He doesn't realize he's dealing with sophisticated people here. Welcome to The Check. I'm Brady Vixaleo. And I'm Alvin Williams here at The Check. Welcome back. Brady, how's your week been? It's been all right. Um, finally, we got this uh, outdoor dining, which has been a lifeline to us. Um, it's amazing to be able to have, finally, some sales, some guests, happy people, happy waiters, happy kitchen staff. Everybody's working. I agree. We're not there yet, but there's a, a little light at the end of the tunnel here. We are doing some service on the patio and in our tent, so we have customers come in. But it's been a, a tough week for us. Um, and for me especially, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have a small wine cellar in my house, which I've been using every evening. Speaking of wine, we're honored to have two sommeliers here, one from each of our restaurants. I've brought along Tom Land. Tom, hello. Thank you for coming. Honored to be here. Thanks, Brady. Yep. Feel uh, honored and blessed. Uh, I have brought with me Arden Allen. She is our wine sommelier at Cobalt Grill, and she's been with us for 20 years and is doing a, a bang-up job. Couldn't do it without her. Welcome, Arden. Thanks a lot, Chef. So, Arden, how'd you get started in the wine business? So, I started working for you when I was about 19 years old. And from there, you just really trained my palate. Um, you took me from zero to hero and made me the Somali I am today. Oh, no. <laughs> That's very sweet. But, you know, you've, you've done a lot of hard work yourself and you got through it. Why were you so passionate about it? I've always been really passionate about wine, and I think that um, tasting up to 100 different wines a month um, has really helped train me in the way that I need to be trained as sommelier. Tom, same question. Um, what got you into, what made you a sommelier? Well, started in the hospitality industry when I was 16 years old, um, washing dishes, worked my way through the ranks, um, became very fond of wine, um, really loved food, and understood that um, one without the other, uh, it just wasn't right. So um, it just became a study for me. And uh, I was very fortunate along the way to uh, come across a lot of people who were very influential and gave me the opportunity to uh, try lots of wines that uh, I certainly couldn't have afforded without their kinship. As restaurant owners and managers, our goal is to create an environment where our guests are happy and relaxed. Often, wine and wine pairing and all of these things 
kind of create a a, a, a sticking point, a, a, a point where people lose that relaxation. How do you mitigate that? As a sommelier, how do you come to the table and and make people comfortable? I mean, I think for me personally, when I talk to tables, I uh, emphasize the fact that I'm passionate about wine. I'm not all knowledgeable. Um, and then my phrase is to keep it simple. Um, what do you like to drink? Love what you drink. I think that's a great point. And I like to do the same thing. Um, but. Uh, to me, I, I just like to make the guests feel at ease. Uh, I'm not there to try and sell them anything at all. I'm simply there to assist with their needs if it pertains to wine. So you see yourselves as, as more of a tour guide than a salesman? Absolutely. I'm not selling anything. The product sells itself, and um, I'm there to guide the guest. Because at the end of the day, everything on your wine lists are great wines. I would hope so. We personally pick them. So if you see someone struggling as to what to order, how do you help them? How do you help them choose? And I'm sure it's pretty difficult before they've ordered because you don't know if they're going to order fish or if they're going to order you know, meat or a light meat or a dark meat or poultry. Arden, how do you help them choose? Well, I have a catchphrase for that, and I'm probably going to have T-shirts made that um, say, like what you drink, love what you drink. So um, I, right off the bat, I, I ask the customer what they typically like to drink, um, whether it be red or white, and then I lead them from there. If it's white, do you like oak? If it's red, do you like fruity reds do you like big heavy cabernets um and then it's just a deduction process from there for me um you know a lot of times people don't even know the answers to those questions yeah I but mean, it's definitely steering them in a direction to me there are some dead giveaway questions that you can ask guests and you can find out exactly where you need to go and one of those things is, what do you typically drink at home? And I think anyone who is, you know, if, if you're having food and wine at home, you, you have wine and you know what you drink. And it may be Kendall Jackson, and I may not have that wine, but I have to find a wine that matches up to that style. And they typically produce a Chardonnay that has some residual sugar. So with that knowledge in my back pocket, I can put them onto something that I know they'll like. I think it's a fun challenge, actually, to find extremely inexpensive wines that are of high quality. I think it's fun. You know, from a chef's point of view, it's, it's all kind of relative because I always think, depending on what I'm cooking, it could be a, a twenty dollar bottle of wine that just pops when it, when you have it paired with a certain dish that I'm cooking, or it could be a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of wine that tastes really good with what I'm cooking. So for me, it's it's kind of food driven. Um, 
some people are price conscious and, and some people are not. It, it just it just depends. And sometimes it's a special occasion and people don't care what it is. Sometimes people eat out every night of the week and they don't want to blow that much money every night of the week. It, it just, it, it all depends. And and it's kind of hard for service to, to gauge that and say, when a customer says, well, what do you think I should get? What do you like? Well, you don't know if they want to spend 20 bucks or they want to spend 80 bucks on a bottle of wine. And it's, it's a conversation that you have to have. And I, I'm guessing, Arden, because I'm not at the tables very much anymore because usually people get mad at me and I <laughs> get sent back to the kitchen. But um, Where you belong. Yeah. So you kind of find out how much they drink on a regular basis and if they're used to drinking wines and, you know, do they like old world wines or new world wines or, you know, and you, you can speak more about that. Well, I think we really get to know our customers too. Uh, luckily for us, we see a lot of repeat customers um, and we, you know, are able to kind of jive with them as far as what they would like. And I think to Tom's point, we're not really selling the top 10% or the lower 10%. Those are selling themselves. So what we're really selling are the wines that are in that quote unquote sweet spot. Um, and I think uh, it's it's really um, invaluable um, for us as sommeliers to to have the knowledge on those sweet spot wines to be able to what we call hand sell those wines. All right. So we're there's no getting around it. We're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. Have you all seen anybody here seen a change in people's drinking habits? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I don't know what it is, but people are down with the liquor. They want their cocktails they want their martinis um their old fashions their manhattans um not to say that people aren't still drinking wine um because wine is really booming right now um but there's definitely if for our restaurant i can't speak to steinhelmers but um definitely a boom in cocktails themselves tom what have you seen for us well it's difficult to argue with what arden said but um you know, we've really put a lot of focus on wines that are $15 and under at uh, both of the restaurants that we have. And um, I think they're high-quality wines. And, you know, um, one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, about the wine world in general is that price dictates quality. Exactly. And... That is just so far from the truth. Um, if you have a solid wine that you pay four bucks for, and it's a white and it has acid, it's going to work with Alvin's food. And if you have that same wine and it's four bucks and it's red and it's got a little tannin structure, it's probably going to work with Alvin's food. So... So you're saying that people That's, need to take their wine from Steinhobers and La Bella Italia over to Cobalt Grill? Indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we really need to help Alvin out over there. <laughs> let, let me ask you both this. You know, how has the, the wine experience changed during COVID-19? Because, you know, I remember we would be pouring wine in, into decanters and, and people are swirling and tasting. And, you know, is that possible with, with the masks now? Are people just... You know, they they want a cocktail so bad that they're like, you know, I don't need to taste it. Just just pour it in or tap it in my veins. You know, what's going on with that? I mean, I, I, I find the wine experience uh, table to table a little bit more lax. I don't know about you, Tom. Um, 
but um, our customers a little bit more laid back about the whole experience. Um, some even bypassing wanting to taste that first sip to make sure it's okay. Um, they're, they always say, I'm sure it's fine. They're ready to go. Yeah, they're ready to go. Um, I know with us, outside dining has proven challenging as far as wines go and wine temperatures go um, with, you know, wine glasses sweating immediately as soon as we're outside in heat. Um, so that's something a little different. I don't know if you're struggling with the same thing. I, I think it's an ongoing struggle with every restaurant, but uh, I think you have to moderate that. And you have, we, we train our servers so that they know uh, there are always ice buckets around, regardless of white or red wines. Because to me, I don't want anyone pouring red wine for a guest that's above 64 degrees. No, I agree. And they know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, if, you, if something's going to sweat, it shouldn't be a wine bottle. We talked a little bit about the intimidation factor of a, when a sommelier comes to your table, you may ask a question of the waiter. Oh, let me, let me get the psalm. And And then a lot of times people who just want a regular bottle of wine, their heart sinks. Oh, the psalm's coming. It's almost like the principal. <laughs> really? Well, well, it's not even that. I, I think people think, "Oh, this is about to get expensive." This is real fancy, exactly. Y'all. Yeah, real exactly. fancy, and, and uh, that's exactly where you don't want to go. And, no. uh, and that's not the truth that it's about to get expensive. The, the sommelier is there to help you to choose the wine that you may like or that's going to pair well with your meal. You know, Alvin, I think the key is to build trust. Yeah. And to never be short-sighted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's it's um, important to be forward in your discussions with your guest and to break the ice by saying, what's your price point? No question. What it's is your price point? What do you want to spend? Line. Yeah. Because this is potentially a long-term relationship. So there's certainly no need to be pretentious or presumptuous. And certainly never assume. Always have the best interests of the guests at hand. I've found that many guests have no idea what they like. It's okay to ask questions. Absolutely. And I, I think it, it, while it may seem like an awkward question to say, what's your price point? I think it actually puts the customer at ease. I think it's one of the best questions you can ask. What I always like about ordering wines from a sommelier is... um are the stories. You know, they always seem to have a, a story about, well, you know, this wine came from here or it came from there and the, the winemaker did this and his, his grandmother. Did, and, you know, do you have any good stories about any of the wines? I always do. And I think, um, you know, something that um, we wanted to talk about tonight were Virginia wines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and how far they've they've really come and um, what what great quality Virginia wines we have now. One of my personal favorites, a vineyard that I've visited um, more than once, is Barbersville. Um, And one of my favorite stories to tell about Barbersville is that the winemaker is actually Italian. Luca. Luca. And uh, Luca um, produces some great wines um, that are um, often tied to Italian roots. No pun intended. Knowing your local local sommelier is a great resource because we can send you to these vineyards on 
the basis that we purchase their wines and they're going to hook you up when you go to those vineyards. Arden, when you say hook you up, uh, I think you're referring to when people know that you're from a restaurant or you've been sent by a restaurant, you tend to get a better tour. Um, they I show, would hope so. Yeah, yeah they, they show you more things and they taste you on better wines rather than you just being a part of the general public going to a, a winery. Is that right, right? They, they might bust out some reserve wine um, that maybe they don't typically show to the public. We go to these wineries and it's such a great experience. They're, they're very accommodating and, and very helpful and it helps you choose wine and help you helps you to decide what you like because they give you all the different tastings from, from white wines and sparkling, rosé to you know heavy to light. And then if you're a novice at this or you, you're just starting, it, it helps you decide what you actually like. Absolutely. And they really do roll out the red carpet because there is nowhere that they would rather have their wines represented than in the local restaurants. I think Charlottesville has a number of wineries that um, it's just not something that's in the forefront of most people's mind when they think about wine is taking a Virginia wine tour. But when you're in Charlottesville, you're within an hour of 25, 30 wineries. Yeah. We're lucky to have so many around here. So we have them in Virginia. We have them in the Outer Banks, North Carolina, all, all very um, close by. I think Virginia wines are more expensive to produce because it's harder for them to produce. You know, they don't have the climate like California or like Europe. So it's, it's harder to produce the wines. But they make really good wines. I mean, Barbersville has a spectacular Cabernet and, and Horton has a, a, a Virginia in general grows great Viognier. But if we pair great Virginia wines with like, you know, social crabs from this area or Heyman potatoes or, you know, things that are foods that are indigenous to here, it, it, it ties it all up and brings it together beautifully. And a great bottle of Viognier from Virginia would slay some soft shells. And that's only certain times of the year, you know. It is. I think Chatham Vineyards makes some really nice wines, too, that really go well with the oysters, that steel Chardonnay that they do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and pairs well with almost any type of seafood that you can put together. So, you know what I really think that we should talk about, you guys? Is what we're drinking right now. What are we as sommeliers drinking this summer? Uh, a big hit for me is French sparkling. I am down with the, the what am I drinking right now, Alvin? The Gatinois. Oh, the Gatinois. That's a great I just one. love to say that one. Yeah. Gatinois. It's delicious, non-vintage sparkling from France. The rosé? Either or. Yeah. The rosé. Either or. the brute. Yeah. yeah. So it's, well, grower champagnes are some of the best values yeah. in the world. Huge value-driven wine. Absolutely. Yeah. What's we, your summer wine, Tom? What are you um, drinking? What's your favorite? I, I love rosé. I, I mean, mean, I do too. Right now, um, J.K. Carrier. Uh, this is the one that Jim Prosser makes. This is uh, called Glass. Um, it's rosé, his rendition of that. And um, for me, I, I just don't know that it gets any cleaner, crisper for rosé. 
I feel that when we serve wine in our restaurants, that it it brings people together, and I think wine makes people happy. I think food makes people happy, and I think the pairing of the food and the wine together makes people happy, and it makes it a brighter world. I just could just be my vision. What do you feel about that, Arden? Well, I think wine and food definitely bring people together. They're in a mood to be together, to sit in the company of each other and enjoy a great bottle of wine and some amazing food that our chefs provide. And, you know, we've had a lot of great wine. All, all the four of us put together probably have had some of the best wines in the world. And we've been very fortunate in that respect. The thing is, if I think back on the best glasses of wine I've ever had, I don't remember all the time exactly what vintage or bottle it was, but I remember who I was with. I remember what I was eating. I remember where I was. Great bottles of wine are made by people. They're experienced by people. They're consumed by people. It's a social, it's a social exercise. I love that, Brady. But what it's all about is that it invokes memories. And I truly believe that the greatest wines in the world with the wrong company is basically worthless. And you can have a $4 bottle of wine that you picked up at a food lion and drink it in the right setting with the right people, and it can all of a sudden become priceless. Alvin, it was great to have two sommeliers here to talk about wine and talk about what's going on with our COVID-19 life. I tell you, one of my favorite subjects is is wine and consuming wine and, and to have two experts here who can guide us through this has been absolutely amazing. Tom Land, thank you for coming in and spending this time with us. And Arden Allen from Cobalt Grill, thank you for spending your time and your knowledge. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Alvin, I tell you what, it's been this has been a great podcast. I've really enjoyed spending time with Arden and Tom. Absolutely. They've both been uh, great guests, extremely knowledgeable, and it's been fun having them here. I'd like to propose a toast. Maybe we can raise our glasses. What do you think, Bray? I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. Cheers. To our sommeliers. Cheers. Tom Wayne and Arden Allen. Cheers. 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 Thanks, you guys. And thank you all for joining us. I'm Brady. And I'm Alvin. And I'm Tom. And I'm Arden Allen. And this is The The Check. Check. One final note from the producer. In case you didn't recognize the clip at the beginning of this podcast, it was the dinner scene from the classic 1979 Steve Martin movie, The Jerk. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.